Well, hey, as cliche as this sounds, I hope you can come and join us. I'll try to turn the mic on tomorrow night. Um, we're having a Christmas Eve service, like Jennifer said, and we'd love for you to come, come and join us. It's going to be, it's going to be neat. Now, sometimes people ask, well, why, why do you do your Christmas Eve, you know, service at night? Why not Christmas afternoon, Christmas Eve afternoon, or why not Christmas morning? What, why did you guys land on that? Well, there's no perfect time because we don't know exactly, you know, what day Jesus came into the world, but I love doing a Christmas Eve service after sundown. And if, let me show you, for those of you who have never seen this, let's take a quick look into the, to the Bible here. This is uh, Luke chapter 2. It's a, a passage that we frequently read from. In fact, we'll read this tomorrow night um, and some more. Uh, here's, here's why we do our services at, uh, in, the, in the evening after sundown. Because we really believe that Christmas Day starts Christmas Eve night. Here, here's why we come, come up with that. Uh, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock. When? By night. And at night, this angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said, Fear not. Behold, I give you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born when? This day. The Hebrew day starts when, for those of you who know? At? At sundown. So when they said, hey, this day, and it's at night, then it seems like Christmas Day starts at Christmas Eve after sundown. The, day, the Savior is Christ the Lord. So that's, that's why we do it. Again, it's not the perfect time to celebrate. The fact that you're celebrating this is such a good and, and God-honoring thing. But that's a little bit about why we do that. Now, it is interesting, though, as far as night being the time God chose, God is purposeful in all that he does. God is purposeful in everything that he, that he does. And night holds a special significance in the Bible. Those of you who've been around, you've heard us talk about this before. The Israelites were delivered from slavery when? At night. Say it with me. At night. All right? The Lord's Supper was instituted when? At night. The resurrection of Jesus took place when? At? We eat our breakfast when? At? In the morning. Just checking to make sure that you're, you're, you're with me. All right? God is very deliberate. He, he, he is intentional about what he does. And God always gives the right gift at the right time and gives it at the right place. Now, we have the kids in with us today. It is so great to have you with us. Now, we're going to be talking about God giving the right gift, right place, right time. So I thought it'd be fun to do a little game to, to do that, to, to illustrate that point. So kids, if you want to come on up, if you like sweets, why don't you come on up and you can stand right here and I'll explain what we're going to do. If, if you're feeling a little nervous, if you, oh, you're not feeling nervous, so I won't even go there. All right, so come on up. You can stand right here and I'm going to explain. I'll explain what we're going to do with this big dice. Now, how many of you have ever gone roller skating before? Been roller skating? How about you guys out there? You guys? All right. Not that many? We're, we're the only ones? Come on. Roller skating? Okay. I went to a place called Cheapskate. Cheapskate. I, I hear that it was a franchise. I went to the Cottage Grove Cheapskate. Any other Cottage Grove Cheapskaters? Just me. But Coon Rapids, I hear, is... All right. So... I don't know if they did this at Coon Rapids Cheapskate. Did they have the dice thing? And the, oh, we did. See, it was a franchise. What would happen? I'm not even talking to you guys yet, huh? am I? Hi. Great day. I'm talking to all them. I'll only talk to you now. So here's what they did. We, hi. We played a game where we would skate around in circles. We don't have skates though, right? So we won't skate around in circles. But the game we played, we skate around in circles, and then they'd roll this dice, and they would do this thing where you would get a prize if you were in the right place at the right time. Now, on the floor... Right here in the middle, I have six numbers. How many numbers are on a dice? Six. Funny how that worked, huh? So what we're going to do is we're going to have Andrea in a little bit. She's going to roll the dice. And you can pick 
before she rolls, whatever number you want, six, five, four, three, two, or one. And if she rolls your number, you get a prize from Mr. Eric. It's a little candy. Ask your parents before you eat it, okay? So why don't you guys pick your number, pick your number, pick your number. You can stand right by it. Eight? Okay, good luck with that. <laughs> All right. If you guys want to pick a number, maybe you can help these guys. You guys, there's a one, there's a two. You guys pick one of the numbers. You going with one? You going one? You're three. You want to pick three? Okay. Then you can go right down that way. Follow them and look for the three on the floor. All right. Let them pick a number. Okay. Ooh, a lot of threes. Okay. And a lot of twos. Okay. Andra, roll the dice. And the first number is a what? A two. Do we have any twos? Okay. Hook up our twos. Let's try this again. Pick a number. You can have the same number or another number. All right. You can stay where you are or you can pick another. We have some people moving to two. All right, you don't have to move to two, I'm just saying. Okay, go ahead, roll it, here it comes. This time it is six. Where's our sixes? All right, now kids, you're going to want to listen close because I want to put you at the right place at the right time. She's going to get a three, I'm telling you right now. She's going to get a three. So get on three, okay? Get on three. Trust me, go to three. Go to three, everybody go to three. Go to three. Trust me, we're going to turn it to three for real. For real. Quick, there you go. Okay. So, Andra, roll the dice and make sure it's a three. Three! All right, make sure all the kids, you can go to Mr. Eric and he'll give you a piece of candy. Check with your moms and dads or whoever brought you before you eat it. All right, thank you. Right time, right place. You want to be at the right time, right place. And, and many of you have had this experience where God puts you at the right time in the right place. Right? And I know that's happening, but we'll just keep going anyway. Hey, guys, good to see it. Um, so, a lot of us have had the experience where, <laughs> you know what, I'm not even going to try. This is where we need the bumper music or something. Or we could have Derek come up and dance again. It was, I definitely won't. <laughs> I definitely won't. <laughs> no. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Right time, right place. God loves to give great gifts. And often we have the best gifts when we're in the right time at the right place. Maybe you were at a spot where someone was able to give you a word that you really needed to hear. One that you can look back and go, you know what, that was really from God. You were in the right place, right time, and you heard it either from someone giving it to you personally or you were at part of a, a seminar or something like that where you heard this right thing. Or, 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 or it could be any number of things. But there's times where God positions us in the right place at the right time to give just the gift he wants to give us. And that was certainly true for the world. It was certainly true for the world that first Christmas. And that's what we've been looking at for the last three weeks. I see a number of faces out here, so it's, it's good that we'll get this review here um, as we look at some of the things that we talked about for the last couple of weeks. So we'll do a real quick summary here of how we were looking at this idea of Bethlehem was right place, right time for the right gift. And there's a place to write this in your notes. Jesus was the right gift. Let's just start there. Jesus was the right gift. We, it's certainly in light of the things we've seen on the news the last couple of weeks. And don't worry, parents, we won't go into details there. But the only plausible explanation, at least to me, for the evil that we've seen unfold is that the Bible describes reality as we know it. The Bible does. The Bible describes reality as we know it. This is a sin-filled world. It's a fallen world. The Bible describes that. And the Bible describes that we are subject to evil impulses. We are subject to evil influences. And when I look at the world, at least to me, 
that the, the things that I see that are evil, they, they defy logical explanation. They, they, they defy psychological explanation. I think the Bible's right on when it says, this is a world that needs saving. It's a world that needed a savior. And when we started this series, that's what we spent our time looking at, how Jesus was the gift that the world needed. We looked at what the Bible said about him being this son of David. There was this, this great man that lived long ago named David. And there were so many things about him that were so good. Well, it was promised that there was going to come one like David. And here's some of the things that we looked at that were true about Jesus, that were even actually more true about Jesus than they were of David. Jesus was not just a man after God's own heart like David. He was the man after God's own heart. And Jesus was not just a good shepherd like David. He was the good shepherd. And we looked at how Jesus wasn't just a giant killer like David. He was the giant killer. And we looked at how Jesus wasn't just a king like David. He was the king of kings. And if you missed how we opened up this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen online, not because I'm a great speaker, but because God gave a great gift, a great gift. And these are some of the things that we looked at in that first week. Now, in week two, we looked at this wasn't just the right gift. This was the right gift sent to the right place. Bethlehem was the right place for this right gift to come, in part because God said this is where it's going to come. And God was able to fulfill prophecy by sending Jesus to the town of Bethlehem. Here's a, uh, here's a, a portion of our, of our scriptures that came hundreds of years before Jesus. And it says this, Micah 5, starting uh, with verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So one of the things that we saw when we looked at this a couple weeks ago, was that Bethlehem was the right place in terms of prophecy. But it was more than the right place in terms of just prophecy. It was also geographically the right place to send the Son of God. And many of you now, you've seen this three times, but for those who haven't seen it yet, this to me is striking. What we have highlighted in this map, in that the spot that's illuminated there, is that's the region to which God sent this gift. He sent his Son. And coming out from there, that's the emerging world. And if you were a person who was in Europe and somehow someone was to explain to you that God sent his son into the world, you'd be thinking, why way over there? Why in Bethlehem? That's so far away. If you were in Europe, that was your perspective. If you were in Asia, you might be thinking, okay, if God's going to send his son, why would he send him way over there? Why not closer to us? And if you were in Africa, you might be thinking, why did God send his son way over there? And why not closer to us? And then you look at this through a global perspective and you realize this was the right place. Why? This was the intersection of the emerging world. This is where all the travel was was coming through. Profound. Right gift, right place. And then last week, what we spent our time looking at was how it wasn't just right gift, right place. It was also the right time. And we took 600 years of history and we condensed it into about 15 minutes in order to appreciate what it says in this verse out of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Why did God send his son when he did? Because that was the fullness of time. 
And what I condensed in 15 minutes, let me try now to do in one. Here are some of the things that set this up to be the right time. There was something historians refer to as the dispersion. And what happened then is you had all these people who, the Jewish people were all located in a single geographical location. What the dispersion did is it dispersed them to the emerging world. So now, for hundreds of years prior to Jesus arriving on the scene, you have these Jewish communities who are teaching others about one true God and a one true God who is going to be sending this Messiah. So for hundreds of years before Jesus arrived on the scene, all around the world, there are these communities that are, that are putting out those important ideas. And then we looked at something historians called Hellenism that came after that time. And this thing called Hellenism, it united three continents with a common language. What's the common language? Greek. What was our Bible translated into, our New Testament into? Greek. It, or it was written in Greek, I should say. And, and, and why Greek? Well, now Greek is something that could be read on these three continents. And then we looked at something that historians call the Pax Romana, which made more of the world more accessible to more people than ever before. And this all happened with Jesus. In fact, Jesus was born under the first and possibly greatest, most influential of all the Roman emperors, Caesar Augustus. And it was a decree from the same Augustus that sent Jesus' parents who lived in Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was the stability that Augustus brought that enabled travelers like the Magi to transport expensive cargo over longer distances. And when Joseph, we read in the scriptures, Joseph had to flee to Egypt. And when he fled to Egypt, he didn't find a pharaoh with a 1,200 or 1,600-year grudge because now Egypt was under Roman jurisdiction. The good news that God had sent a savior traveled on Roman roads over Roman shipping lanes. And the apostle Paul, who did more to spread Christianity than any other person, he was at times rescued by whom? Romans. This was right gift, right time, right place. Now, that's where we've been. Let me, let me tell you where we're going to go today. And, and, and for those of you who are new, one of the things I try to do each week is, is I try to say, okay, God, what do you want us to know? And then what do you want us to do? And as I prayed through that and said, God, what do you want us to know today? Here, here's, here's what I feel like we're supposed to know. And many of us, we've heard this before. We, we maybe think we cognitively know it, but let's see if we can know it here more. And there's a place to write this in your notes. What was true for the world is also true for you. What was true for the world is also true for you. This was, for the world, right gift, right place, right time, from the world's perspective. That's also true for you. This is the right place. This is the right time. And he's the right gift. And when I say you, I don't mean just because you're sitting in this room where we've gathered for a worship service. This is true for those who are listening online. Duane, this is true for you. This is true for those who are going to listen to this in your, your dorm rooms or when you're traveling. This, this is true for all people, all ages. This is true for kids. This is true for teens. This is true for adults. This is true for every person throughout every generation, throughout history, on every continent. Wherever you are, whoever you are, this is right gift, right time, right place. It's not just a world thing. It's an individual thing. It's a personal thing. None of us were able to be there 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. You know, 
None of us are able to be there. This can still be right time, right place, right gift. Um, so far, we've been looking at uh, the passages primarily in Matthew and in Luke. Today, let's take a look as, as we expound on these ideas from the account that comes to us from the book of John. Now, John uses different imagery. The Matthew account, the Luke account are more narrative. They're more telling the story. John uses some pretty powerful imagery, a lot with light and darkness. You know, why, again, why do we love celebrating Christmas Eve at, at night? I can't think of a better time to celebrate that the light of the world, you know, came in to, to our, our, our dark world. It's, here's what it says in John, chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men and women. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of of grace and truth. Now, even though John uses different wording here, he's still describing a one-of-a-kind, one-of-a-kind gift that was given to us. The eternal, all-existing Word of God, who is God himself, became flesh, he says, and walked among us. Now, that language that he uses here is so rich. We could, we could spend an entire series just unpacking this idea of Jesus being the Word of God. To, to many of the, the, the Jewish thinkers... When they heard word of God, they thought about the powerful word of God that was spoken to create our world. When God speaks, things that don't exist can happen. Powerful. In fact, there's many people in the commentaries that you look at in this, they draw a lot of parallels between what John says here and what you find in the first book of our Bible called Genesis. There's these parallels here. And this, this powerful spoken word of God that when you speak, things are created. It, 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 John's personifying that. And not only that, the other thing that many of the Jewish thinkers would think would be that, that those who are obedient to God's word can have eternal life. And so, boy, you start going with that. That's a loaded word. And then for many of the Greek philosophers, when they heard this term word, what they would think is this, this idea of, of an impersonal reason that held the universe together. So, so you've got a loaded term here for both the Jewish and the Greek audience. And the Greeks, many of them, if they heard this, they would struggle. How, how can something impersonal become personal? And many of the Jews, well, they so heavily emphasized that a human being could not become God, they would never consider that God might become human. So if John is describing reality, which I believe he is, he's saying something shocking, something hard to comprehend. No wonder it was tough for people to, to grasp this, because he's saying that that word became flesh. And it dwelt among us. And there again is another loaded word. That word that we're translating here as, as dwelt, it, it literally conveys the idea of setting up a tent among you or a tabernacle to, to, to literally be doing that among us. That's crazy when you think about that. That, that you don't have to have some backstage pass. You don't have to be a priest with the backstage pass to get in to see God. He came and he dwelt among us. It was like he put up a, a tent to be here in our, in our midst. And so if we missed his arrival 2,000 years ago when he was doing this, we're not out of luck. Because John doesn't stop there. He, he talks about this. This is 
uh, John chapter 1, we're moving on to verse 9 now. The true light, again, here's this imagery, light and darkness. The true light, which gives light to everyone, not just the select few that got to see him there. It was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, this is something that trips up a lot of Americans. And I know what I'm about to say is so countercultural. In fact, if there's anything left that's heretical in our culture, it's, it's the type of thing that I'm about to say. And it comes from a good place, I guess, because, you know, in Americans, we're, we're grounded in our Declaration of Independence. So, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women were created equal. That comes from a good and God-honoring place. It comes from the scriptures. Judeo-Christian thinking, that we all are created in the image of God. So, so far, so good. But what happens in America is we often take that too far, and we think, well, if all people are created equal, then all their ideas must be equal. And if people think certain things about God and people think other things about God, who's to say? Well, the Bible. The Bible presents a reality. And for those of us that believe it, we're not able to live in that world of saying there's multiple ways to God because the Bible seems to teach something very different. The Bible seems to teach, not seems, I would say the Bible teaches that God can be received or God can be rejected. And the Bible speaks with greater specificity. To receive or reject God is to receive or reject Christ. The gift that God sent to the world 2,000 years ago. I would encourage you to, to write this down and we're going to explore this idea here together. Receiving Christ is presented as the first step of a new life. Receiving, personally receiving this gift is presented as the first step of a new life. The same John that wrote the words we read earlier, he wrote these words as well. And these are going to sound familiar to many of you, even if you didn't grow up in church. This is out of John chapter 3, starting with verse 16. For God so loved, and never forget that, for God so loved this world that he gave the most precious gift he could possibly give, and that was his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And this is loaded language here too. We have it translated in English. The Greek would be more literally, you will, you will have the life of the world to come. This isn't conveying an idea that, you know, we've caricaturized some of us in our heads that, okay, if I, if I receive this Christ, then when I die, there's clouds and halos and stuff with my name on it. No, no, this is, this is life of the world to come. When Jesus comes back and makes all as it should be, we can start living in that life now, the life where all is as it should be. We can have that now. John goes on, for, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Earlier on, 
in the first service when we were singing that Jesus Messiah song. There's that, that song, The Rescue for Sinners. And I had this picture in my head of, of someone who's drowning saying, God, help me, God, help me. And, and God reaches out his hand. And they keep screaming, God, help me, God, help me. And God's got his hand. And they're refusing to grab it. You know, he, he sent his son in order that the world might be saved through him. But here's the problem. Lights come into the world, but there are those who love the darkness rather than the light. It could be a darkness of pride of, I don't need to grab this. It could be a darkness of, I just light going my own way. It could be all kinds of different darknesses, but they love that darkness rather than the light. Well, whoever does what is true, they come into the light. They grab that hand so that it may be clearly seen that their works have been carried out in God. What a profound invitation. What a profound invitation that those who receive Christ, they, those who place their faith in him, right now, they can have this life of the world to come that begins now and goes into eternity. There, that the very spirit that anointed Christ can anoint us, and the price he paid can result in the forgiveness of our sins. And ordinary, messed up people like you and me, we can become adopted as his sons and his daughters if we receive, if we place our faith in this gift. Well, no wonder the Bible says things like this, and I, I printed this in your notes as well. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So the Bible speaks of, of receiving this, this gift. Did we read that one yet, Mike? Did I skip over that, that to all who received him? Did we do that one yet? The, the, the John 1, 9 through 12? Yeah, we did. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he became the right through the children of God. I just want to make sure that we put those words up there because that's what he, ta- he talks about receiving it. And I want to just take a minute to talk about what, what does that look like in practical terms? Because we, we, we've had, this has been so satired in our society, you know, um, so satired, this idea of born again or, or receiving Christ. So I try to say, let me get it more concrete, more, more practical. And the illustration I'm going to give you, work with me because I, I think this is more true than it is false. But... It seems silly because it comes from my, my phone and something that we did when we were in Disneyland. But I think this is good. Um, when we were in Disneyland, we were there this summer. I hadn't been there since I was just a kid. So it, it had been, you know, decades, three or more decades since, since I had been to, to, um, to Disneyland. And so we didn't, we didn't know our way around. And what we did, well, what I did anyway, is I, I got an app for my phone that's supposed to help you find your way around Disney, Disneyland. And from time to time, we still go and say, what's the wait time on that ride that we spent three hours waiting for? Um, but there was this other app. We, Emma and I wanted to have a churro. And you guys like churros? All right. We wanted, we wanted to have a churro. And so we're like, where is a churro stand? How are we going to find a churro stand? So we're like, oh, let's try the app. So the app had been downloaded. And whatever it is that we typed in, we, we got it to tell us where the churro stand was. And no kidding, there's, there, and I say that for us that are older, um, no kidding, there was a little arrow and it said, it's that way. And it's like 300 yards. It's that way. And we're looking, we're like, we don't see a stand. Are we going to choose to trust? Are we going to put our faith in this thing that's just been downloaded into our, our phone? And so we started walking and it started counting down and, and we found this churro stand. It was crazy to me. Now, even though there's some obvious differences in the illustration... 
there's some similarities here. There are some similarities here. Receiving Christ, this idea of being born again, trusting Jesus, saving faith, it's not completely dissimilar from that because there's a downloading part and there's a walking out part and they're two sides of the same coin. There's a downloading part, there's a walking out part. And the downloading part is that idea of coming to Christ humbly. That's the downloading part where you're willing to say, okay, even though this is so countercultural, even though this seems to be committing intellectual suicide, Father, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you humbly. And I'm going to say, you're the one true God. And I'm going to submit my morality to what you say is morally right. I'm going to submit myself to your leadership. If you say this is what we're supposed to do, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust and believe that these things that that the Bible says are true, are, are true, that somehow Jesus' death paid for my sins. You know, and, and for many of us, one of the reasons why this downloading thing seems to resonate with me, for many of us, something happened in the moment when we did that. And it's not the same for every person, but some of us have had these experiences where something happened in the moment you did that, where, where an orientation changed inside from... I want to go this way to, you know what? There's something in me now that wants to follow God. For some of us, it was, like for me, one of the things was, I can't believe these things in the Bible. I can't do it. And there was something in me that changed there. And, and now, all of a sudden, I knew them to be true. Now, later, there was the confirming as I looked through the history and all that kind of stuff. But at the time, it was something that happened internally. For many people, I, I've talked to people, they had addictions broken during that download, right there on the spot, physically addicted to things. Never again for some people. Some people, they were going a completely different direction with their life. It changed in that moment. So for some, in that download, there's an instantaneous change. That's the experience for some people. Other people, the downloading, for whatever reason, takes longer. And I can point to a lot of people here, right in our church, a lot of people who they look back over the course of their life when they first started trusting God, and they look at where they are now, and they look back and say, I am not the person I was one year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago. But in this downloading now, things have changed. I, I, I'm not pulled so strongly to the things that once pulled me. I don't lash out the way I used to lash out. I don't hold a grudge the way I used to hold a grudge. There are other people, they can look back and over the course of sometimes years, that downloading thing changed them. So I think there is that part, just like you download an app. I think there's part of this receiving Christ deal that is the downloading where you come to him and you start that process and say, okay, God, right now I'm here to receive. Send your spirit into my life. Forgive my sins. Begin to change my heart and my mind. But then there's the two sides of that same coin. There's then the walking out. The walking out piece. I put that scripture in your notes, that whole idea of whoever claims to be in him must walk as Jesus walked. You, for, for, for you to say, yep, I'm a, I believe this app. I totally believe it to be true. So I'm going to go look for my churros. It says go over there. I'm going to go over here. That's crazy. That's not believing, trusting. So as you download this, are you willing to say, I'm now going to take these steps of faith. I'm going to begin to walk this out. And I look at the, our examples in the scripture from the Christmas story. 
the Magi. They had faith. They believed the king of the Jews was born. What did they do? What did that mean for them? They followed the star. The shepherds had this experience with these angels. The angels said, go to Bethlehem and look for this one who's in the manger. What did they do? They, they went. And for some of us who've had the initial downloading experience, maybe our thing is this Christmas to say, are we heading the direction that God would have us to go? Or are we going to the right? Are we going to the left? Have we just ignored it altogether? And we're just doing our thing, saying, God bless me as I'm going. What a perfect time, what a perfect place to say to God, fresh and anew, God, help me through the power of your spirit to follow you again, to get right back, to receive this gift fully, and to begin to walk it out truly receiving the gift that God sent. God wants you to experience amazing things this next year. He wants that unresolved conflict to get resolved. And he wants to use you to initiate some reconciliation. God wants you to begin digging out of the hole that you've dug yourself into. He would love to help. Will you trust him and follow his principles. If your world has been rocked by a, a paradigm shifter on the health front, on the financial front, on whatever front, are you willing to turn to him and say, okay, God, in the midst of this, I'm going to put myself fully, I'm going to trust you and begin walking that out. And I don't know what your thing is, but would you be willing to do that today? Perfect time, perfect place. And for others, it's it, You've never done the initial download. And would you today be willing to say, okay, here we go. God, right here, right now, I yield my will to yours and ask that you will fill me with your spirit and your truth that I may walk this out. What a time, what a place to do those things. So Jill, why don't we have you and your, your, your team come up and let me pray. And if you're wondering, okay, you know, where do I start? What kind of language do I use? Well, we want to let you know that we'll have some people in the back. They, they'll be ready to go again this, this hour, Jill? We got a lot of people that'll be able to pray. If you would like someone to pray with you about this or anything, we'll have some people right back in the corner. You can go back and you can pray about this or pray about anything. Um, and then also, you know what? Yeah, you guys can come. I'll just move down here. Am I in your spot, Derek? All right. They are excited. Well, I'm glad. Let's go. Let's get the preacher out of the way so we can get, get down to business here. Um, so if you want to pray that, but here, take a look at this line. The song that we're going to sing is A Little Town of Bethlehem. Boy, this sums it up. Here, here's the theology. How silently, how silently that wondrous gift was given. So what did God do? He downloads into human hearts the blessings of his heaven. He wants to send it right into you. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where the meek, where the humble would receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. So here's some words you could use. When we come to this line, you could pray this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend right now on me, I pray. Cast out my sin, enter in, be born in me today. We hear the Christmas angels, a great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, um, forgive me again for, for not having the best of words for what was the best of gift. But Holy Spirit, we're not limited here to, um, to any words. In fact, words are, were so futile in so many ways. But your spirit right now 
can fill this room and fill minds and hearts. Lord, we pray that people would be open to just hearing from you today. You know, whether this is the first time they've heard something like this, whether it's the first time they've really listened to something like this, whether it's something they'd heard before, but now you're speaking to them again. May, may, may your spirit come and touch hearts and open minds that in this time, in this place, we could receive you. We could receive your spirit that could open our mind and reorient it towards yours and that could, could uncallous our hearts. Lord, this, this power that could break an addiction right now, this power that could give hope when all seems lost, or this power that could just draw someone who's wandered back home. Lord, whatever it is that you would do, we pray your spirit would have free reign here. May we all just let down our guard and listen to your still small voice. And if we hear that voice calling out to us, may we respond as you would have us to respond. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.